when we feel bad about what we've done to ourselves, there is a level of forgiveness that is needed because if we don't go into that forgiveness, we then perpetuate the shame and the guilt and the pain and the, and, and the struggle because the statement goes, hurt people hurt people. Well, hurt people hurt themselves as well. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm David Trotter, a business growth consultant passionate about helping women and men double your business online, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a serial entrepreneur and former pastor who's passionate about personal growth because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me and transformed me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years, and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Inspiration Rising. Question for you. How many of you have ever gone on a diet, right? Maybe it was before your high school reunion or college reunion, or maybe before your wedding, or maybe after you had kids, or... Okay, I can see those hands, yes, raised across the world of those of us who have gone on a diet, probably almost anyone over the age of 25, maybe. In 2018, I loosely started following the slow-carb diet, and it was promoted by Tim Ferriss and his books, and I lost 65 pounds in a matter of months. I felt amazing. I went from 255 down to 190 And then I slowly started soothing my soul once again by eating every kind of fried food you can imagine. Okay, did you know that restaurants will pretty much fry anything these days? I mean, yes, they'll fry chicken, of course. Yes, they'll fry any kind of meat. They will fry vegetables, fried green beans, fried zucchini, fried cauliflower, fried... I've never had fried cauliflower. It sounds disgusting. But all of that fried foods, okay, bottom line is I gained back 50 pounds. And the good old quarantine diet of 2020 didn't exactly help. Hmm, I think you can relate. So a couple months ago, my wife and I started a program called 75 Hard, which you can Google. It's by a guy named Andy Frisella. It's not exactly a, it's definitely not a weight loss program. It's a mindset program. But in the process of going through these things, I have lost 30 pounds over the last couple of months. And I'll end up doing an episode to share some of the learnings that we've had over these 75 days. Now, as of this recording, I haven't had any soda, aka Diet Dr. Pepper, which I absolutely love, fried foods, bread, chips, pasta, sweets, all that stuff for the last 70 days. Okay, you do the math. 75 hard, that's 75 hard days. Okay, it's been 70 days. I got five days left. Now, I will tell you, I don't really miss a lot of those things, except for fried chicken. I really do miss fried chicken. Do you guys have Raisin Cane's in your area? Like wherever you live, do you have Raisin? Because that place is amazeballs. The chicken, the bread, I don't like their their coleslaw. It's disgusting. And the sauce, the Raisin Cane's sauce, I don't know what it's called, but it's, oh, it's to die for. It's so amazing. If you haven't picked up on this quite yet, food is one of my coping mechanisms. It is a comfort to me. I don't know when I learned that. It was probably early in life, but it's what I turn to when I'm anxious or overwhelmed or stressed or bored or happy or angry. 
pretty much any time, okay? Pretty much any time. Am I the only one here? Am I the only one who turns to food? I don't think so. I think there are others of you can who can relate to this because I've heard from you. Yeah, yeah, I know what this is like. Now, today, I bring this up because I want to share with you an absolutely heartwarming conversation with Sarah Ann Stewart. She is a certified holistic health practitioner. And when she was a teenager, her father was diagnosed with terminal cancer and her family made a choice to fight back with alternative medicine like mindfulness and like things that he would eat or not eat. And seven months later, her father was declared cancer free. She tells this story in the beginning of the conversation. You're going to be blown away by it. She now runs a leading mindfulness-based private coaching practice in Los Angeles, and her unique heart-centered approach has helped hundreds of women across the globe make sustainable lifestyle changes and heal their relationship with food and their bodies. Now, if you're expecting this to be like, oh, this is a don't eat this and don't eat that kind of conversation, no, 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 that's that's not what this is about. We're talking about self-love here. We're talking about how do you heal your relationship with food and your body, and Sarah is absolutely amazing. She's so genuine and heartfelt, and she makes me want to eat more vegetables. I mean, that's got to be a good thing, right? All right, let's jump into my conversation with Sarah Ann Stewart. Well, Sarah, thank you for taking some time to hang with me today. I do appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so thankful for you having me on your show. I'm thankful for you coming on my show. I'm, I'm just really thankful to be here and, and honored to have this conversation about self-love, self-worth, self-confidence, all the things that you talk quite a bit about as well. Yeah, I want to hear a little bit about your story of your mm-hmm. relationship between food and your body over the years. Give me a, a little bit of a overview of what you've experienced. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been an ongoing process ever since I was very very young. And so I grew up in a very holistic environment, so much so that my father was a public speaker. He traveled the world talking about psychology, the power of the mind, meditation, mindfulness, coming home to ourselves. I was traveling with him, listening to Deepak Chopra cassette tapes. <laughs> I was like, listening to Eckhart Tolle. I was listening to Carolyn Miss, The Sacred Contracts, all of these very um, spiritual leaders back in the day. And so this, wow. this is really what I grew up with and what was instilled in me as a child. But what was so interesting was at the age of around 14, I won a beauty pageant contest and then I was scouted to model. And this was my moment where I thought, okay, this is my way out. I understood what it was like to travel the country and to see other parts of the world, but I, I had never um, thought that I would have a way out of the small town in which I grew up in Michigan. And so I thought, okay, I have this really good head on my shoulders. I'm going to be completely fine. I kind of convinced my parents to allow me to go to Chicago and sign this modeling contract. And within just a couple of days of signing that contract, I developed a series of eating disorders that lasted for over a decade. It was something that it was a moment just within that, that signature that after I signed the contract, then it became okay, Sarah, it's time for you to lose weight. It's time for you to stop playing sports. It's time for you 
to change your body. And for me, going into the industry, I didn't know that that was a requirement. And yet I had this dream to travel the world and see big cities and to make money and to get to pay for my college and all the things that were on the other side of this dream. Mm. And so for me, that that meant sacrificing my own health and well-being, even though I had all of this amazing spirituality and all of this holistic mindset within my consciousness and awareness, Mm -hmm. it was instantly (laughs) pushed aside when all of these bigger dreams were on the horizon. And the interesting part was at the same time, my father found out that he had terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. And I remember in that moment, I was extremely angry with him because he basically told the doctors, I'm not going to take my kidney out. I'm not going to do the protocol that you're recommending. I'm actually going to go home and I'm going to meditate. Mm -hmm. And I thought, dad, we are on a timeline. You don't have time to wait. And he said, Sarah, trust me. And he told the doctor, you will see a miracle. And within seven months through meditation, mindfulness, yoga, and going on a completely plant-based diet, his cancer was completely gone, considered a misdiagnosis, and his type 2 diabetes was reversed. Wow. And so I witnessed this healing at the same time I was suffering with an eating disorder. And it got to the point 10 years later where I remember sitting on a hospital bed being told by a doctor, you're going to lose your life to this eating disorder if you don't make a change. And I had flashbacks from my childhood of just wondering, how did I get to a place in my level of awareness? How did I almost repressed to the point of almost killing myself with food when I understand fundamentally how food can be a powerful force for healing, mm-hmm. how meditation, mindfulness, yoga, how, how holistic healing is an opportunity to heal your body. And yet I'm sitting here almost on my deathbed because mm-hmm. I have made consistent choices for 10 years to destroy this vessel that I have been given, this mm. this body that I have been given on this planet. And at that point, I just went into such shame and guilt and even more damaging thoughts. And I recognize now that when we feel bad about what we've done to ourselves, there is a level of forgiveness that is needed because if we don't go into that forgiveness, we then perpetuate the shame and the guilt and the pain and the, and, and the struggle because the statement goes, hurt people, hurt people. Well, hurt people hurt themselves as well. Mm. And so that's what I recognized. And so it, I had to go on this journey of recognizing that I had to really reprogram the subconscious imprints that had happened over that 10 years of being in the fashion industry. Mm. And not only that, then I had to heal what drove me to be in the fashion industry to begin with, because there was something in me that was seeking the self-love and the self-validation and this external Mm -hmm. validation outside of myself that I wasn't allowing myself to feel internally. And so it was a part of this journey and this healing process of really having to fundamentally change who I was and to say, who do I want in my life? How do I want to show up for myself? What does health look like? How do I recreate a healthy environment for myself? And then what is my purpose, my why to stay alive? And I think that that was the biggest missing piece in the puzzle for me because I 
at the point when I was modeling, I didn't have a bigger vision. All I had was, okay, I'm only identifying with myself and the way I look because that's mm-hmm. what makes me money. Mm-hmm. I never had a bigger vision, a bigger purpose, a bigger why, a reason to be alive, a reason to create impact. I didn't have that that driving force mm-hmm. that would instill the principles in me to take care of my body. Mm. And so I had to recome home to myself. I had to reconnect with myself. I had to find in myself my purpose again. And it took, it took quite a bit of time, quite a bit of healing. And I always tell people, if you are on this journey of shifting your relationship with food and your body, it is going to take time. The, these programmed beliefs are so ingrained. They've been ingrained since you were a child. They've been ingrained every single time you turn on your phone. They've been ingrained every single time you turn on the TV, every single time you go to the grocery store and you see a magazine. These are not simple beliefs to mm-hmm. reprogram, but yet once you are aware of how you're treating your body from the lack of health, uh, from a lack of health perspective, it is your responsibility to finally make a change. And Mm. it is your responsibility to take the steps that are needed because you are the only person that can determine if you are worthy of a happy, healthy life. No one else can determine that for you. Mm -hmm. And so this was the process that it took. And it's, it's been a journey and I, I'm very grateful for the journey because it's taught me compassion and, and self-love and self-worth and self-confidence and all the things that were already in me yet being very much diluted because of the way in which I was operating and living and mm. the beliefs I had about myself. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that was a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was like a, a lot. Going and, going. <laughs> and thanks so much for listening to the Inspiration Rising podcast. We're glad that you had. <laughs> My goodness, that was an amazing overview. Wow. So, uh, for whatever reason, I'm stuck in that signing of the contract in Chicago mm-hmm. where they look at you, a manager or someone who says, You need to quit playing sports and lose weight. I assume they're like, Hey, you're too toned or you have too much muscle or I don't understand. Like take me to that moment. And then what was your response? Like, how did you know how to change? Did you, you know, Google how to lose weight by, you know what I mean? Like help me, Mm -hmm. help me understand that moment. Yeah. It's really interesting because in that moment, I remember thinking, wait, what do you mean? I love playing soccer. I love playing basketball. What do you mean I have to make this choice? And (laughs) it's so interesting to me how if you don't have this strong sense of who you are, and I don't think this is something that we're teaching children as often as we need to be, if you don't have a strong sense of who you are and what makes you happy and what makes you come alive, and for me that was sports, it is very easy to convince someone to give up what they love for another dream, which Mm -hmm. isn't even going to serve me, right? This dream that I had wasn't actually self-fulfilling. It wasn't serving me. It served me in the long run because it brought me back to myself, but, and it taught me a lot of, a lot of lessons that I needed to learn. But in the short term, it was very easy for me to give up what I loved in, in relationship to what potentially could be a bigger dream. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had a scout who wrote on a piece of paper or actually a napkin. He said, you're going to be a star. And he put it in a book and he gave me the book. 
And that just stayed with me. And I never became a big model. I was always working behind the scenes. A lot of the work I was doing was not glamorous or sexy. It was fit modeling. It was, it was behind, behind closed doors of do these, do these items look good on a model? And then if so, let's put them on the, the big supermodels. Um, but it was still a dream. And the challenge was is that I had even though I grew up with parents who were very holistic and approached life from a very spiritual perspective, and they always wanted us to talk about our emotions, we were allowed to talk about anything we wanted. If we wanted to ask questions about past lives, we were allowed to talk about that. If we were allowed, wanted to talk about Eastern philosophy, we were allowed to talk about that. Whatever came up and came forward to us, we were allowed to have a conversation at a dinner table. The challenge was is that my relationship with my mom was very challenged, mm-hmm. and from very young, I was, she was projecting what she didn't have throughout her childhood onto me. And when you project onto your children, this perfectionism model of wanting them to do everything and be in everything and have everything and get to experience everything, they never feel good enough. And this wasn't her fault. She literally wanted to give me every opportunity Mm -hmm. because of the perfectionism side of it, because of the critiquing of me, because of the instilling in me that she always wanted me to be better. Mm -hmm. I never felt good enough. Mm -hmm. I never felt lovable enough. I never felt like I could actually have her love unless I proved something externally. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I attached myself instantly to this career Mm. where I continued to seek that hit of Mm -hmm. self-validation and external worth Mm -hmm. every single casting, every single time I went into my agency, every single time I looked at myself in the mirror. And then it became a reflection of how I treated my body and my relationship with food because that perfectionism model is very much transferred onto ourselves and then our bodies if we allow it to become that. And Mm -hmm. so instead of holding my body from a place of self-love, I was like, well, I'm not going to feel self-love unless my body's perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's something I see get translated so often with women is that Mm -hmm. food is something we control and we think our body is something that we can control. And so a lot of our old wounding patterns get transferred onto those two specific areas of our life. Mm -hmm. So um, there's so much of a uh, movement in our culture right now toward body positivity, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's um, everybody comes in different shapes and sizes, whatever shape you're sizes mm-hmm. currently, um, it's all good. Right. And uh, there's no need to um, diet or change your body. Everybody, you're healthy, we're healthy. As long as you're healthy, we're healthy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All of that. How do you how do you navigate that? Because it seems like, I mean, from an external perspective, you're uh, culturally a very beautiful person, right? right. You look physically fit, you're thin, you are attractive, you're what everybody wants. And yet there's this other part of the movement that's like, just be yourself. You know what I mean? Be Mm -hmm. whatever size you want. How do you navigate that whole process of um, people? I mean, I go, we, we both live in Southern California. Sarah, if I go outside of Southern California, unless it's New York, maybe San Francisco, the majority of our country is living in large bodies. The majority. 
Like that's the, that's the norm. And um, so it, it, you know, I'm, I struggle with, well, how much of it is like, just do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm good. Like my body's Mm -hmm. fine. Love me the way I am versus I need to lose weight. I need to look a certain way. I need to look like Sarah. You know what I mean? Like help me navigate that. Yes, this is a very triggering, messy topic. And I get that it can be very triggering. Even if you're listening, it, it can cause us to experience different emotions and feelings. And how I've been navigating it is the body positive movement originally started where it was intended to be that we all have a positive self-image of ourselves and that everyone has that right to have that positive self-image. And I agree with that, right? I think everyone internally should feel good about their body, should feel good about their health, their well-being, their mindset. These are all very important things. The triggering part about these movements is that when we don't do the internal work on ourselves, when we don't look at ourselves and say, okay, well, what is showing up for me in this moment? And how am I getting triggered by this? we begin to fight one another and we don't look at the fact that this movement was intended to be inclusive, to be about positivity, to be about the fact that we should accept everyone for where they are. We should be in acceptance because we don't know what is happening in someone else's mind. Mm -hmm. Speaking entirely from someone who was at a size zero or two, I have so many women come to me that say, oh, well, you should have been happy then. And I'm speaking completely honestly and transparently. I was the most miserable I've ever been. I was had the lowest self-esteem. I completely judged myself in every single moment, in every single picture, every time I look past a mirror. Mm. And so as a woman to say that to me, it's... it's a bit challenging because again, we don't know what's happening in someone mm-hmm. else's mind sure, and sure. I can't make that judgment towards anyone. And so part of the work that I have been doing is really about how do we come back to ourselves first and foremost? Where are we showing up in our triggers? Where are we showing up in our wounding? How do we heal ourselves? Because as we heal ourselves, then we can look outwardly and say, okay, I'm going to allow and trust that everyone else is showing up as their best selves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, this gets tricky because in my work, there is a level of complacency happening where, okay, well, I love myself, so I'm going to not move. I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to drink diet soda. I'm going to do harmful things towards my body. And I wouldn't deem that self-love. And so again, it's coming back to how do we bring someone back to their truth so that they can determine what self-love looks like for them, so Mm -hmm. that they can determine what health and well-being looks like for them. And again, if someone's not moving and maybe eating certain foods, I'm not here to judge that, but I'm, I'm here to be a stance for what is underneath the lack of desire to truly take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I always present to my clients that you can love yourself exactly how you are, Mm -hmm. exactly how you are in the body that you're in, completely content with what you're doing and your behavior today. And, and they aren't mutually exclusive. You can hold the desire that you want to be healthier, more energetic, more vital, have better 
brain clarity, less brain fog, get up and, and be excited for life and be present and move and enjoy your body for this vessel again mm-hmm. that is here to support you and move you through mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to become, again, very aware of how do we come back to our presence? How do we come back to our truth? And I have seen time and time again that when someone begins to meditate and someone begins to really heal and forgive different areas of their life in which they've been wounded, they no longer sabotage their health. They no longer sabotage themselves. And this doesn't mean that you don't have pizza and wine on a Friday night with your friends. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the general belief behind what you're doing and how you're living Mm -hmm. and how that shows up for you. Mm -hmm. And no one can tell you what is best for you. And that's the problem right now is we have vegans fighting ketogenic, fighting paleo, fighting plant-based. Like all of these people are fighting one another and no one's educating on what is best for the individual? What is best from a place of bio-individuality? What is best for getting the person back in their body connected to their heart Mm -hmm. so that they can get out of the mindset Mm -hmm. of the contradictory beliefs of someone else knows what's best for me and connecting them back to their truth, which is, you know, what's best for your body. And that's going to be a different weight for every single person. That's going to be a different relationship with food with every single person. That's going to be a different relationship with movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And only you get to determine that. Mm -hmm. And it just feels challenge and i also i often get triggered when i recently saw a post of of a woman she promotes herself as a body positive spokesperson she was sharing about how she was working out and moving and felt really great moving and and how she loves her body and so she's taking care of it and the backlash she got was wait you're trying to change your body that's not body positive and the argument is in what she said which i loved was well, I'm allowed to change my body. It's my body. And you don't get to tell me that I don't get to change my body. And Mm -hmm. if you were a stance for body positivity, you should be supporting me in whatever choices I make for my body. Yeah. And that's where it gets challenging is like, there's so much wounding and we haven't been taught how to become emotionally resilient. We haven't been taught how to regulate our nervous systems. We haven't been taught how to heal our own internal patterns. And therefore we're just projecting them on everyone else. Mm -hmm. And then they're projecting theirs and it becomes this fight against what we're all wanting, which is Mm -hmm. self-love. (laughs) <laughs> and it's, me, it's a really interesting this. thing, right? You're, you're using all kinds of um, beautiful mumbo jumbo language about healing my woundedness and mm-hmm. healing, you know, those places within me. Yeah. Help me, help me understand, make the connection for me between somehow I've been wounded. Help me understand what are the options of what, what, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Does it mean my mm-hmm. mom was mm-hmm. trying to make me perfect? Was it yeah. I was sexually abused. Was it, you know what I mean? And then yeah. how does that woundedness connect to how I view food and my body? Mm-hmm. Like make that connection for me. Yeah. So the interesting thing is that we don't always know that one moment that impacted us to drive our behavior forward. And so it could be media influence, societal influence, cultural influence. It could have been something our teacher said, our mentor said, 
our best friend said, our mother said, Mm -hmm. something our mother did. It could be actual trauma and traumatic experience. It could be growing up in, in an area that potentially you feel like you never fit in or you never felt like you could express your creativity or the inspiration that lived inside of you. Or maybe you for so many years lived on the belief that you had to have a certain career that would then give you the white picket fence house that would then Mm -hmm. give you the American dream. And because of that, and because you're not happy, you're sabotaging your relationship with your body because you instinctively aren't happy with how you're currently living. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting thing is that until you begin to connect within and really hear your truth, it is a multitude of things that could be impacting how you relate to food in your body every single day. Mm -hmm. And I tell people it's not so much about what impacted you as it is recognizing in the moment that usually when we feel anger, sadness, loneliness, any of these lower vibrational states of emotion, we then use food to cope with that Mm -hmm. experience or we stay in bed or we don't get out and we're not motivated to take care of our bodies. And so there's the physical component, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual component. All of these things, again, are impacting our relationship with food and our bodies. And as I mentioned in the beginning, it's very challenging to pinpoint one thing. And that's why I work with my clients Mm -hmm. for several months, because again, this takes time to dive in and say, what is it that is truly impacting my thoughts first, my beliefs, the stories I'm telling myself, which then impact the emotional experience that I'm having, which then impacts my behavior, Mm -hmm. which impacts my habits, which then creates these habits around food in my body. So when I'm stressed, do I go to the fridge right away in the middle of the night because I want to mitigate that feeling? Mm -hmm. And so we normally start with our emotions and what is showing up for you. And then how do we pattern interrupt that in the moment so that you can shift the story. And what happens is, is a lot of times we don't know a different story, but we can know a different feeling. Hmm. And, and so we've been told our whole life that, oh, if you're this size, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know that there's a different story where your size is beautiful and you are perfectly perfect exactly as you are. But we can feel the emotion that relates to the story that doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. And we can pattern interrupt it and shift that. Then we become more attuned to, okay, this story doesn't work. It doesn't make me feel good. And then we can Mm -hmm. journal on, well, what would be an upgraded story to that emotion? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not a therapist, so I can't go back and help people heal their trauma. And I always recommend if you recognize that your trauma is related to Mm -hmm. your relationship to food and your body to definitely get that help. But I can help people in the present moment, interrupt the pattern, recognize what is the habit on the other side of that emotion? And then how do we shift it to upgrade your relationship with food and your body? Mm-hmm. And wounding can be, like I said, a multitude of things, but it's really about just recognizing, do I feel good after I take this action? Do I feel good in my body, in my heart? And something else I think is really important to point out is People often think that self-love is this fleeting experience. Well, self-love is, and the feeling of love is always in you. It doesn't go up and down like a roller coaster. So if you know that you are love and you know that you come from love and you know that you are 
in the ability any moment to access self-love, then you get to recognize that it's the stories that are diluting and mitigating the self-love that already exists Mm. in you. And we get to, in every moment, come back to our truth, which is, I am love, I come from love, and I get to choose self-love in this moment versus self-sabotage. Mm. And we get, to, we get to make that choice. And again, mm. this comes back to radical responsibility. How do you want to feel in your body after mm. you make a choice? Mm. And you get to make that choice. And, and after I really took on the radical responsibility piece, everything shifted. When I stopped blaming the diets, the trends, the experts, the coaches, my coaches, the books I read, the research, all of the intellect that's in your mind. And I came Mm. back to my heart and I said, no, this is actually my responsibility. Stop playing the blame game, Sarah. Stop projecting that diet X didn't work for you. Mm. It's not diet X responsibility to Mm -hmm. work for you. It is your responsibility to find out what works for you. And when I came back to that and then recognized, okay, I get to choose self-love in every moment versus self-sabotage, it really began to shift my relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. Mm. A lot of internal work. I mean, just so much internal work versus, you know, dieting is the uh, trying to control uh, it just could, it's all about control, mm-hmm. all about control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's about recognizing that your mind, who you are on a fundamental level goes with you from diet to diet, to diet, coach mm-hmm. to coach, to right, coach, right. program to program. And until you change who you fundamentally are, your relationship to those things isn't going to change. And so now that I am a fundamentally different human with a different identity, I can say, okay, I'm a healthy person. I am an energetic person. I Mm -hmm. am a woman who shows up fully confident in her experiences. I'm a woman who cultivates self-love. I have beautiful relationships and a family that I love. When I change that story from the brokenness and I'm not worthy and I'm not confident and I hate my body and my body sucks and it's always doing what I don't want it to do, That used to be my old identity. My Mm. new identity has shifted, but then my relationship to a new diet trend that comes out that pops up on my screen is is more of a, oh, that's interesting, next, versus click on it, go down the rabbit hole, believe that that's going to- Maybe this will make it, maybe this will do it, yeah. This will be the one thing that solves my self-love problems and literally heals my childhood, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. conditioning that like Mm -hmm. told me I wasn't worthy enough. Um, that is what, what changes. It's not so much that the world around you is going to change as much in relationship to media and cultural standards. And although it is important that we become a voice for that, Mm -hmm. we can't wait for those things to change in order for us to change. Right. Right. Sarah, there are so many amazing fried foods in the world. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There are so many amazing fried foods in the world. And even as I'm loving myself, I'm just looking at these foods going, but you make me feel so good in the moment. 
you know, in a couple, yeah, <laughs> I actually have found that I didn't even realize um, that you, when you ate a meal that afterwards, I thought feeling full was a natural feeling. I thought, I thought that's how you, how you were supposed to feel like that kind of bloated full. Mm-hmm. That's just how you feel after you eat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't even realize there was another option until a couple of years ago. Yeah. And this is why it's really important that whenever you have a memory of something, someone told you about food, you write it down. And so for example, with that, they're potentially, and I'm not saying this was your experience, but I've had clients who have said, oh yeah, I remember my mom would say there's, there's dying kids in Africa that are starving. You need to finish all of the vegetables and all the food on your plate. Even though they were full, they had to fit, they had to literally eat the entire plate of food. And that's just one simple example of multiple things that could have happened as a child. Another one that shows up quite often is, well, when you get all good, when you get all A's, I'll take you for ice cream. So there was a reward on the other side of doing something good. It couldn't just be that we would enjoy ice cream because it's an enjoyable experience. It had to be that there was a reward for that. So that or usually I'm, translates. Or you're sad. You're yeah. sad. Let's go get ice cream. Exactly. Or, or as my husband's mom did, um, she would give him M&Ms when he went to the bathroom during his potty training. And so <laughs> he has this relationship with sugar as love. Yeah. Do you guys put M&Ms, a bowl of M&Ms in the bathroom? <laughs> we don't have M&Ms in our home. But, but it was interesting because he had that awareness when he heard me talking one day. And he was like, oh my gosh. I had that experience growing up. I literally got M&Ms every time I went to the bathroom. And so we have to recognize that no one was at fault using food to Mm -hmm. help us perform better or they thought that we would perform better. But these do have implications and they have long-term consequence because as you said, eating to pass the point of being nourished is problematic on our digestive system, which then impacts our ability to have energy and to sustain energy and to sustain our blood sugar levels and all of the things that impact us on a um, physiological level Mm -hmm. definitely is very much related to emotionally how we feel, mentally how we feel, the stories that we hold, and what we're actually doing on the physical level because of those emotions and feelings Mm -hmm. and and projections that have been placed on us that, again, aren't ours. Mm-hmm. And so you get the choice in the moment to say, oh, wow, I noticed that my mom used to give me suckers every time I went to the bathroom and I was potty trained. Do I need that sucker anymore to feel loved? Or can I just close my eyes, connect to my heart, tell, me, tell myself that I'm enough, do a short meditation, do some breath work, and, and come back to myself? Mm-hmm. And that does not mean that you're not enjoying fried food. It does not Mm -hmm. mean that you're not enjoying ice cream. It does not mean that you're not enjoying certain aspects of food that bring back really beautiful memories. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's been about, okay, what were these memories around food? And then how can I upgrade Mm -hmm. the quality of food and have that enjoyable experience without feeling the negative consequences after? Mm -hmm. 
I love what you're doing, Sarah. You have a 21 day empowerment pack for people if they want to learn more about mm -hmm. what you're doing and just kind of get a taste test of what you're, look at what I did there. Taste test, just taste. a little taste. <laughs> They're not gorging themselves, just a little taste. Um, what is the 21 day empowerment pack and how would that be helpful for people? Yes. Thank you so much for offering to share that. The 21 day empowerment pack is basically a process in which I've created. A lot of my clients have gone through it and thousands of people now online where we break down the beliefs around dieting and then just bring you home to yourself. We help you come back to your intuition. We come help, we help you come back to a place within yourself where you say, okay, this is, this is my truth. And what does that look like for me? And we create this space where it's not about saying no to certain nutrition protocols because there are nutrition protocols that are very um, important ones from doctors and from people who would say, okay, this is a really good, imp important nutrition protocol so that you can feel better in your body or get healthier or create sustainable energy or whatever it is that your doctor nutritionist is trying to support you with. But this is, again, coming back to letting go of the quick fixes, the need to seek the validation outside of yourself, the need to, um, to search online for the, the protocol that is going to give you the very things that you already have inside of yourself. Hmm. And, um, and I would love to support anyone through it. It's basically yeah, a 21 day program that anyone can go through anytime on your own time while you're at home. And there's affirmations and meditations and a forgiveness component and some different things that can really help people move through with grace and ease. That's great. So that's available on your website, sarahannstewart.com slash free. And the spelling of Sarah Ann Stewart, because that could be spelled a bazillion different ways, mm -hmm. is in the show notes. If you swipe up on your phone now, the link will be there, or you can go to our website and get the link, sarahannstewart.com slash free. Of course, you're all over on social media. People can find you there. We'll link to all those places. If, if someone is listening and they are, you know, they're just feeling down about mm -hmm. their body and maybe there's a sense of embarrassment or shame or whatever it might be. Not that I'm speaking of myself in this moment or anything, but you know, um, what would you say to them? That's a good question. I remind people that guilt and shame and even, even the projection of anger towards our bodies is omen only momentarily a emotion and we only can so certain emotions we we experience we continue to perpetuate because we don't remind ourselves that these are fleeting emotions and emotions only exist for 90 minutes 90 seconds in our body and so the moment that we can recognize that the emotion too shall pass right everything too shall pass we get to allow ourselves to create the space that we can come back home to ourselves and so that little reminder has been so powerful in my own experience of just saying, okay, this is momentary. This is a moment where I am noticing that something's coming up and it's coming up for the benefit of me. It's coming up for my healing. It's coming up for the ability for me to recognize that this needs to be cleared out of my consciousness. And behind that and under that is always, again, the self-love, the self-worth, the self-confidence, all the things that we deeply, truly desire at the core of who we are. And so I would just remind you that in any moment, 
to come back to yourself before you pick up the phone, open your computer, look at your email, grab a piece of food, decide to go to the gym, reconnect with your truth, close your eyes, come back to your heart, hold your heart, because oftentimes we're caught in the mind. And so when we can come back to the heart, come back to our truth, come back to the very being of who we are, that emotion shall pass and it will pass and under it is your truth. And, and at the core of all of us, I believe is, is our deepest um, ability to love and most importantly, love ourselves. And so hopefully that's supportive and helpful if you're, if you're going through that is just try your best to avoid the external in those moments and just continue to come back to, Hmm. to yourself. Beautiful. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your life and your experience. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. And I'm just really grateful that you are offering this platform to people to to learn more and grow and really continue to shift and, and come back home to themselves. So thank you so much. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949-401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity.